Welcome to Golden Gems with Dave Shaw and Bill Hansen. We review each week the career and personal life of one of the great unforgettable artists of the golden days of radio. So please join with us on a trip down memory lane as we take a look at today's artist. Then go to our website, www.goldengems.net, where we will also look at more of their career and play some of their most unforgettable great hits, which we are unable to share on the podcast. We invite you to join us there also. But for now, sit back and relax as we talk about the life of today's unforgettable artist of the golden days of radio. Welcome to Golden Gems. This is Dave Sean Bill Hansen, featuring today on our podcast, The Life of Henry John Dusendorf Jr., who was born on December 31, 1943, in Roswell, New Mexico, to Captain, later Lieutenant Colonel, Henry John Dutch Dusendorf Sr., who lived it from 1920 to 1982. A United States Army Air Force pilot, Stationed in Roswell, AAF, and his wife Irma Louise, 1922-2010. Years later, as a major in the U.S. Air Force, Dusendorf Sr. set three speed records in the B-58 Hustler Bomber and earned a place in the Air Force Hall of Fame. In his 1994 autobiography, Take Me Home, Denver described his life as the eldest son of a family shaped by a stern father who could not show his love for his children. Because Denver's father was in the military and his family moved often, it was difficult for him to make friends and fit in with other children of his own age. Constantly being the new kid was troubling for the introverted Denver, and he grew up always feeling as though he should be somewhere else, but never knowing where that right place was. While the family was stationed at Davis Monthan Air Force Base in Tucson, Arizona, Denver was a member of the Tucson, Arizona Boys Chorus for two years. He was content in Tucson, but his father was then transferred to Maxwell Air Force Base in Montgomery, Alabama, where Denver disliked the racism of his segregated school. The family later moved to Carswell Air Force Base in Fort Worth, Texas, where Denver graduated from the Arlington Heights High School. Fort Worth was a distressing experience for Denver, and in his third year of high school, he drove his father's car to California to visit family friends and begin his music career. His father flew to California in a friend's jet to retrieve him, and Denver reluctantly returned to complete his schooling. At age 11, Denver received an acoustic guitar from his grandmother. He learned to play well enough to perform at local clubs by the time he was in college. He adopted the surname Denver after the capital of his favorite state, Colorado. He decided to change his name when Randy Sparks, founder of the new Christie Minstrels, suggested that Dusendorf would not fit comfortably on a marquee. Denver attended Texas Tech University in Lubbock and sang in a folk music group, the Alpine Trio, while studying architecture. He was also a member of the Delta Tau Delta fraternity. Denver dropped out of Texas Tech in 1963 and moved to Los Angeles where he sang in folk clubs. In 1965, 
he joined the Mitchell Trio, replacing founder Chad Mitchell. After more personal changes, the trio later became known as Denver, Boise, and Johnson. That is, John Denver, David Boise, and Michael Johnson. In 1969, Denver abandoned man life to pursue a solo career, released his first album for RCA Records, Rhymes and Reasons. Two years earlier, he'd made a self-produced demo recording of some of the songs he played at his concerts. It included a song he'd written called Babe I Hate to Go, which was later renamed Leaving on a Jet Plane. Denver made several copies and gave them out as presents for Christmas. Producer Milt Oaken, who produced records for the Mitchell Trio and high-profile folk group Peter, Paul, and Mary, had become Denver's producer as well. Oaken brought the unreleased Jet Plane song to Peter, Paul, and Mary, their version of the song hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Denver's song also made it to number two on the UK in February of 1970, having also made number one in the U.S. cash box chart in December of 1969. RCA did not actively promote Rhymes and Reasons with a tour, but Denver embarked on an impromptu supporting tour throughout the Midwest, stopping at towns and cities as the fashion took him, offering to play free concerts at local venues. When he was successful in persuading a school, college, American Legion Hall, or coffee house to let him play, he distributed posters in the town and usually showed up at the local radio station, guitar in hand, offering himself for an interview. With his foot in the door as writer of Leaving on a Jet Plane, he was often successful in gaining some promotional airtime, usually featuring one or two songs performed live. Some venues let him play for In the Door. Others restricted him to selling copies of the album at intermission and after the show. After several months of this constant low-key touring schedule, he had sold enough albums to persuade RCA to take a chance on extending his recording contract. He had also built a sizable and solid fan base, many of whom remained loyal throughout his career. Denver recorded two more albums in 1970, Take Me to Tomorrow and Whose Garden Was This, including a mix of songs he had written and cover versions of other artists' compositions. Denver's next album, Poems, Prayers, and Promises, 1971, was a breakthrough for him in the U.S., thanks in part to the single Take Me Home Country Roads, which went to number two on the Billboard charts despite the first pressings of the track being distorted. Concert special An Evening with John Denver won the 1974 75 Emmy for Outstanding Special, Comedy, Variety, or Music. When Denver ended his business relationship in 1982, because of Weintraub's focus on other projects, Weintraub threw Denver out of his office and accused him of Nazism. Denver later told Arthur Tobier, when the latter transcribed his autobiography, I'd bend my principles to support something he wanted of me. And of course, every time you bend your principles, whether because you don't want to worry about it, or because you're afraid to stand up for fear of what you might lose, you sell your soul to the devil. Denver was also a guest star on The Muppet Show, 
the beginning of the lifelong friendship between Denver and Jim Henson that spawned into two Christmas TV specials with the Muppets. He also tried acting, appearing in the Colorado Cattle Caper. It was the episode of the McLeod television movie in February 1974. He starred in the 1977 film, Oh God, opposite George Burns. Denver hosted the Grammy Awards five times in the 1970s and 1980s and guest hosted The Tonight Show on multiple occasions. In 1975, he was awarded the Country Music Association's Entertainer of the Year Award. At the ceremony, the outgoing Entertainer of the Year, Charlie Rich, presented the award to his successor after he set fire to the envelope containing the official notification of the award. Some speculated Rich was protesting the selection of a non-traditional country artist for the award. But Rich's son disputes that, saying his father was drunk, taking pain medication for a broken foot, and just trying to be funny. Denver's music was defended by country singer Kathy Mattia, who told Alana Nash of Entertainment Weekly, a lot of people write him off as lightweight, but he articulated a kind of optimism, and he brought acoustic music to the forefront, bridging folk, pop, and country in a fresh way. People forget how huge he was worldwide. In 1977, Denver co-founded The Hunger Project with Werner Earhart and Robert Fuller. He served for many years and supported the organization until his death. President Jimmy Carter appointed Denver to serve on the President's Commission on World Hunger, writing the song, I Want to Live, as its theme song. In 1979, Denver performed Rhymes and Reasons at the Music for UNICEF concert. Royalties from the concert performances were donated to the UNICEF, that's UNICEF. His father taught him to fly in the mid-1970s, which led to their reconciliation. In 1980, Denver and his father, by then a lieutenant colonel, co-hosted an award-winning television special, The Higher We Fly, The History of Flight. It won the Osborne Award for the Aviation Space Writers Association and was honored by the Houston Film Festival. In the mid-1970s, Denver became outspoken in politics. He expressed his ecologic interest in the epic 1975 song, Calypso, an ode to the eponymous exploration ship used by environmental activist Jacques Cousteau. In 1976, he campaigned for Carter, who became a close friend and ally. Denver was a supporter of the Democratic Party and a number of charitable causes for the environmental movement, the homeless, the poor, the hungry, and the African AIDS crisis. He founded the charitable Windstar Foundation in 1976 to promote sustainable living. During the 1980s, Denver was critical of the Reagan administration and remained active in his campaign against hunger for which Reagan awarded Denver the Presidential World Without Hunger Award in 1987. Denver's criticism of the conservative policies of the 80s 
was expressed in his autobiographical folk rock ballad, Let Us Begin. What are we making weapons for? In an open letter to the media, he wrote that he opposed oil drilling in the Arctic's National Wildlife Refuge. Denver had battled to expand the refuge in the 1980s, and he praised President Bill Clinton for his opposition to the proposed drilling. The letter which he wrote in the midst of the 1996 United States presidential election was one of the last he ever wrote. Denver was also on the National Space Society's Board of Governors for many years. From 1973 to at least 1979, Denver annually performed at the yearly fundraising picnic for the Aspen Camp School for the Deaf, raising half of the camp's annual operating budget. During the Aspen Valley Hospital's $1.7 million capital campaign in 1979, Denver was the largest single donor. In 1983 and 84, Denver hosted the annual Grammy Awards. In the 1983 finale, Denver was joined on stage by folk music legend Joan Baez, with whom he led an all-star version of Blowin' in the Wind and Let the Sunshine In, joined by such diverse musical icons as Jennifer Warnes, Donna Summer, and Rick James. In 1984, ABC Sports president Rune Arledge asked Denver to compose and sing the theme song for the 1984 Winter Olympics in Sarajevo. Denver worked as both a performer and a skiing commentator, as skiing was another of his enthusiasms. He composed The Golden Beyond and sang it for the Olympic Games athletes, as well as local venues, including many schools. In 1985, Denver asked to participate in the singing of We Are the World, but was turned down, according to Ken Cragen, who helped to produce the song. Denver was turned down because many people felt his image would hurt the credibility of the song as a pop rock anthem. I didn't agree with this assessment, Cragen said, but he reluctantly turned Denver down anyway. Due to his love of flying, he was attracted to NASA and became dedicated to America's work in outer space. He conscientiously worked to help bring into being the Citizens in Space program. In 1985, Denver received the NASA Public Service Medal for helping to increase awareness of space exploration by the peoples of the world, an award usually restricted to spaceflight engineers and designers. Also in 1985, he passed NASA's rigorous physical exam and was in line for a space flight, a finalist for the first citizen's trip on the space shuttle in 1986. After the space shuttle Challenger disaster with teacher Krista McAuliffe aboard, Denver dedicated his song, Flying for Me, to all astronauts and continued to support NASA. He entered discussions with the Soviet space program about purchasing a flight aboard one of their rockets. The talks fell through after the price tag was rumored to be as high as $20 million. Denver also toured Russia in 1985. His 11 concerts in the USSR were the first by any American artist in more than 10 years. He returned two years later to perform at a benefit concert for the victims of the Chernobyl disaster. In October 1992, 
Denver undertook a multiple city tour of the People's Republic of China. He also released a greatest hit CD, Homegrown, to raise money for homeless charities. In 1994, he published his autobiography, Take Me Home, in which he candidly spoke of his cannabis, LSD, and cocaine use, marital infidelities, and history of domestic violence. In 1996, he was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. A few details now about John Denver's personal life. Denver's first marriage was to Annie Martell of St. Peter, Minnesota. She was the subject of his hit, Annie's Song, which he composed in only 10 minutes as he sat on a Colorado ski lift after the couple had an argument. They lived in Edina, Minnesota from 1968 to 1971. After the success of Rocky Mountain High, inspired by a camping trip with Annie and some friends, Denver bought a residence in Aspen, Colorado. He lived in Aspen continually until his death. The Denvers adopted a boy, Zachary John, and a girl, Anna Kate, whom Denver said were meant to be theirs. Denver once said, I'll tell you the best thing about me. I'm some guy's dad. I'm some little gal's dad. When I die, Zachary John and Anna Kate's father, boy, that's enough for me to be remembered by. That's more than enough. Zachary was the subject of A Baby Just Like You, a song that included the line, Merry Christmas, Little Zachary, in which he wrote for Frank Sinatra. Denver and Martell divorced in 1982. In a 1983 interview shown in the documentary John Denver, Country Boy, in 2013, Denver said that career demands drove them apart. Martell said they were too young and immature to deal with Denver's sudden success. Following the property settlement, Denver nearly choked Martell. He cut their marital bed in half with a chainsaw. <laughs> Sounds funny now, but I'm sure it wasn't then. <laughs> Denver married Australian actress Cassandra Delaney in 1988 after a two-year courtship. Settling at Denver's home in Aspen, the couple had a daughter, Jessie Bell. Denver and Delaney separated in 1991 and divorced in 1993. Of his second marriage, Denver said that before our short-lived marriage ended in divorce, she managed to make a fool of me from one end of the valley to the other. In 1993, Denver pleaded guilty to a drunken driving charge and was placed on probation. In August 1994, while still on probation, he was again charged with misdemeanor driving under the influence after crashing his Porsche into a tree in Aspen. Though a July 1997 trial resulted in a hung jury, on the second DUI charge, prosecutors later decided to reopen the case, which was closed only after Denver's accidental death in October of 1997. In '96, the FAA decided that Denver could no longer fly a plane, owing to medical disqualifications for failure to abstain from alcohol, a condition that the FAA had imposed in October of 1995 after his prior drunk driving conviction. Too bad he didn't comply. He might still be around. 
Beyond music, Denver's artistic interests included painting, but because of his limiting schedule, he pursued photography, saying once, Photography is a way to communicate a feeling. An exhibition of over 40 never-before-seen photographs taken by Denver debuted at the Leon Gallery in Denver, Colorado in 2014. Denver was also an avid skier and golfer, but his principal interest was in flying. His love of flying was second only to his love of music. In 1974, he bought a Learjet to fly himself to concerts. He was a collector of vintage biplanes and owned a Kristen Eagle aerobatic plane, two Cessna 210 airplanes, and in 1997, an amateur-built Rutan Long Easy. On April 21, 1989, Denver was in a plane accident while taxiing down the runway at Holbrook Municipal Airport in his vintage 1931 biplane. Denver had stopped to refuel on a flight from Carefree, Arizona to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Reports stated wind gusts caught the plane, causing it to spin around and sustain extensive damage. Denver was unharmed by the incident. Denver died on the afternoon of October 12, 1997, when his light, home-built aircraft crashed into Monterey Bay near Pacific Grove, California, while making a series of touch-and-go landings at the nearby Monterey Peninsula Airport. He was the plane's only occupant. The official cause of death was multiple blunt force trauma resulting from the crash. Denver was a pilot with over 2,700 hours of experience. He had pilot ratings for single-engine land and sea, multi-engine land, lighter, and instrument. He also held a type rating in his Learjet. He had recently purchased the Long Easy aircraft made by someone else from a kit and had taken a half-hour checkout flight with the aircraft the day before his accident. Post-accident investigation by the National Transportation Safety Board showed that the leading cause of the accident was Denver's inability to switch fuel tanks during flight. The quantity of fuel had been depleted during the plane's flight to Monterey, and in several brief practice takeoffs and landings, Denver performed at the airport immediately before his final flight. His newly purchased amateur-built Rutan aircraft had an unusual fuel tank selector valve handle configuration. The handle had originally been intended by the plane's designer to be between the pilot's legs. The builder instead put it behind the pilot's left shoulder. The fuel gauge was also placed behind the pilot's seat and was not visible to the person at the controls. An NTSB interview with the aircraft mechanic servicing Denver's plane revealed that he and Denver had discussed the inaccessibility of the cockpit fuel selector valve handle and its resistance to being turned. Before the flight, Denver and the mechanic had attempted to extend the reach of the handle using a pair of vice grip pliers. But this did not solve the problem, and the pilot still could not reach the handle while strapped into his seat. NTSB officials' post-accident investigation showed that because of the fuel selector valve's positioning, switching fuel tanks required the pilot to turn his body 90 degrees to reach the valve. 
This created a natural tendency to extend one's right foot against the right rudder pedal to support oneself while turning in the seat, which caused the aircraft to yaw, that is, nose right, and pitch up. The mechanic said that he told Denver that the fuel sight gauges were visible only to the rear cockpit occupant. Denver had asked how much fuel was shown. He told Denver that there was less than half in the right tank and less than a quarter in the left tank. He then provided Denver with an inspection mirror so he could look over his shoulder at the fuel gauges. Well, that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? No wonder he got in trouble. The mirror was later recovered in the wreckage. Denver said that he would use the autopilot in flight to hold the airplane level while he turned the fuel selector valve. He turned down an offer to refuel, saying that it would be flying for about an hour. In addition to Denver's failing to refuel and his subsequent loss of control while attempting to switch fuel tanks, the NTSB determined other key factors that led to the accident. Foremost among those was his inadequate transition training on this type of aircraft and the builder's decision to put the fuel selector handle in a hard-to-reach place. The board issued recommendations on the requirement and enforcement of mandatory training standards for pilots operating home-built aircraft. It also emphasized the importance of mandatory ease of access to all controls, including fuel selectors and fuel gauges in all aircraft. Upon the announcement of Denver's death, Colorado Governor Roy Romer ordered all state flags to be lowered to half-staff in his honor. Funeral services were held at Faith Presbyterian Church in Aurora, Colorado on October 17, 1997, officiated by Pastor Les Felker, a retired Air Force chaplain, after which Denver's remains were cremated and his ashes scattered in the Rocky Mountains. What a sad way to end a magnificent career. Further tributes were made at the following Grammy and Country Music Association Awards. In 1998, Denver posthumously received the Lifetime Achievement Award from the World Folk Music Association, which also established a new award in his honor. On March 12, 2007, the Colorado Senate passed a resolution to make Denver's trademark 1972 hit, Rocky Mountain High, one of the state's two official state songs, sharing duties with its predecessor, Where the Columbines Grow. On April 21, 2011, Denver became the first inductee into the Colorado Music Hall of Fame. A benefit concert was held at Broomfield's First Bank Center and hosted by Olivia Newton-John. On October 24, 2014, Denver was awarded a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in Hollywood, California. Just a series of great tributes to a great entertainer. We've enjoyed bringing to you today the life and career of John Denver. Hope that you've enjoyed it. And we invite you to come back with us for future episodes. And if you haven't, go to our website, golden, www.goldengems.net, and hear more of Denver's career and listen to some of his greatest hits.
Thanks for being with us today. We hope you're having as much enjoyment as we are reliving some of the unforgettable memories from the golden days of radio. To learn more about the career of today's artist and listen to several of their greatest hits, we invite you to go to our website, www.goldengems.net. May we also encourage you to tell your friends about the show. We would love to have them join us in these little trips down memory lane. And as always, we invite your feedback or comments on goldengemsradio at gmail.com. So until next episode, this is Dave and Bill heading back into the archives to dust off some more unforgettable memories to share with you on Golden Gems.